praise. Loving Lord, we come before you today and we thank you for this opportunity to call, to reflect upon your goodness to us, and we can but humbly ask that that goodness and grace would pass through us to others. Teach us to pass on the good news of great joy which continues to be available for all people. Lord, we come to you today in the relative calm and tranquility of this little chapel, in the midst of a world in ferment, and we see the harrowing pictures on our screen. So we pause for a moment to thank you for all that we have to eat and drink, for the work of our hands and the work of our minds, for creative thought and caring action. And now we pray for those who face an uncertain future through lack of rain. And we thank you for the refreshing rain that we have, for those who experience war and natural disaster and trade restrictions and corruption in high places. And as we've been thinking about what it is to share, we pray for a more equal sharing of the world's produce and work opportunities given to all, rich and poor. You are the Lord of creation and we are grateful for all that you have provided. Help us to share what we have, to fulfill your command, to love others as we love ourselves. So we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for visitors here and old friends. We thank you for new beginnings and positive endings and fresh challenges that break in upon us. Lord Jesus, hear our prayers today as we bring them before you now. And lead us in prayer as you taught your disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, everyone. If you would like to follow the reading this morning, it's taken from Luke's Gospel, uh, chapter 11, and we're going to read the first 13 verses. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 13. And this is Jesus teaching on prayer. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of those disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. 
and lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on the journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me, the door is already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or, if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And we know the Lord will add his blessing to this reading from the Holy Holy Church. As you will know, um, well, at least the regular worshippers, that we are pursuing uh, our way through the Lord's Prayer. So familiar to us, it's a challenge to be fresh and relevant, familiar ground, even for people who don't attend church, but from childhood days you were taught the Lord's Prayer and how good is that. Last Sunday we considered our Father in Heaven. Our Father in Heaven, and uh, we made reference to uh, a Muslim girl who came to a living faith in Jesus Christ, and her book testimony was entitled, I Dare to Call Him Father. This awesome, majestic, sovereign God that I can call Father. That is a privilege for us to enjoy. It is a relational issue, not a ritual one. It is so easy for the Lord's Prayer to degenerate into mere words, a ritual, well meant for us, but an end in itself rather than a means to an end. So, our Father in Heaven, a privilege to enjoy. But uh, this morning we're thinking about, hallowed be your name, Praise to express. It is to be spontaneous, not simply structured. Structures are good, but they need spontaneity as well in order for them to be meaningful. So, our Father in Heaven, we said last Sunday, is the most meaningful word in the Lord's Prayer, and that is the case. The most meaningful words in the Lord's Prayer are Father in Heaven. In this chaotic world, to be able to say that is a powerful thing, and to believe it. However, this blessing, these meaningful words, need an expression. Not simply to say, yes, yeah, isn't that something? And not express it 
in a meaningful way. And that's what we're going to pursue this morning. And there are sort of two strands to this sermon. The first and that um, uh, response, or come let us adore him. Adoration is an integral part of this. Hallowed be your name. And action. And the one is incomplete without the other. And that's what we're going to uh, pursue. Try to think about it uh, like this for a moment. Parents should not only feel real affection for their children, but demonstrably show it. And some parents have difficulty because their parents didn't show it. And somehow the grace of God has taken in at that point. It needs an expression. The most profound and meaningful yes but needs an expression, otherwise we reason from silence. And there are for us as Christian people, if you look over back in churches, let me quote to you uh, Blaise Pascal, the famous mathematician and philosopher, the giant of an intellect that he was, and the search of the truth. After his death was found sewn into his, uh, his, his jacket the following words. This day of grace, 1654, from about half past ten at night to about half after midnight, fire, fire, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not the philosophers and the wise, security, security, feeling, joy, peace, God of Jesus Christ, forgetfulness of the world, and all save God. Joy, 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 tears of joy, renunciation, total and sweet. It's an experience of God, it's the presence of God, put in that way, hopefully not limited to 1654, who just a man happens to be a clever philosopher and mathematician. In other words, hallowed be your name needs a meaningful expression. What do we mean by this then? Let's think about this for a moment. If you've been watching the television these past ten days, particularly, to hallow is to treat something or someone as holy, or if you like, to stand in awe. Now, Great Britain, for what was called the Great War, has been commemorating a hundred years and been humbling to think of the supreme sacrifice. We've seen it on our television. People who have visited the war grid in Normandy, in these vast cemeteries, say, and even children and young people in those those schools, this is hallowed ground. Now could you imagine, and you applied it, could you imagine the government saying, this is a great place for Disneyland. 
it's absurd. Indeed, it is a monumental incident to all the supreme sacrifice and families who are humbled by their grandparents and so forth. To stand on hallowed ground. And so Jesus is saying, yes, he is our father. He is intimate. But he is to be hallowed. He is sovereign and he is almighty. He is awesome. He is awesome. You see how now you you bringing together often two things that are polarized. So in this prayer, familiar though it is, we have intimacy, our Father, and we have sovereignty. Hallowed be your name. When I take the name of God upon my lips and in my life, I'm standing on hallowed ground. And I should be grieved when people take his name in vain. So what we're thinking about here is, if you like, praise. It's a prayer that has wings and it is expressed in praise and worship and adoration. So we have that quotation of Matthew, it's a familiar one, we've had it before and I want you to look at this and think about it for a moment. As I, as I think, this is what we are talking about. How comprehensive is this? So what are we thinking about when we say, how would be your name? Adoration, praise, worship. So what we are doing is this. We are thinking, Worship is the submission of all our nature to God. It is the quickening of the conscience by its holiness, the nourishment of mind with its truth, purifying of my imagination by its beauty, opening of the heart to his love, the surrender of my will to his purpose. And all this, and indeed much, much more, is gathered up in adoration. The most selfless emotion of which our nature is capable. And Jesus has this and all we're doing is to just momentarily to unpack a familiar sense. Hallowed be your name. So here we are today standing on holy ground. And these two parts of this one sentence, adoration which involves essentially, intrinsically, the heart. It is a heart issue. But action is about a life issue. About practical service. About being as well as believing. I wonder if this would come as a surprise to some of us here this morning that in the New Testament worship, adoration, praise is actually associated with more what we do after church than in church. 
I urge you, brothers and sisters, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual service. And Paul dances together action and adoration. Those whom God has joined together, let no one put asunder. So, when the meeting is over, we would say, now let the service begin. That's worship. At the Quaker meeting, a visitor whispered, because Quaker meetings are quiet, whispered to someone sitting beside him, when does the meeting begin? After the meeting ends, in the reply. <laughs> Think of it like this. Think of it like this. Adoration without action is unspiritual. It may be a form of spiritual narcissism. It's about me. An action without adoration is just unsustainable. And so many of us have projects, promises, unkept, unfulfilled. You can't do that without both coming together. I suppose the best illustration of this, and there has been a bit of a, a sort of a slight Christmas theme, or at least the birth of Jesus in some of these songs. When you think about Mary and this earth-shattering news that she was to be chosen to bring the Messiah into the world, here's a response. The angel speaks to her and in Luke chapter 1 verse 38 she says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered, let it be to me as you have said. Then you have the song, service and song, and of course, the great Magnificat, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, he who is mightiest and blessing, holy is his name, of course. Well, it's obvious, isn't it? When we have a glimpse of the glory of God, we can come in silence, we can come in song, we can come in vision, we can come in prayer and reading, and God speaks to us yet again. That's why we sang, oh come let us adore him. He alone is worthy. We give him all the glory. It is actually about him, isn't it? So let me close by asking a question. Try to merge these two things together with this one sentence that we have. Hallowed be your name. God who speaks to us in silence, he even sometimes speaks to us in a sermon. 
much marginalized even among evangelicals. So how are we, this is a question, how are we to cultivate intimacy with the Lord? How are we to take this sentence and apply it to ourselves wherever we are, whatever our situation, varied though they may be? How are we to cultivate intimacy with the Lord? That's the question. I want to give four words in answer to that very quickly. Number one, simplicity. It really is not complicated. We may complicate it. We may embellish it with tradition and all of that stuff. But really, at the end, it is a simple issue. Which requires us, in the reordering of our lives, Have you ever thought that you might be wrong? That you are actually out of step with the Lord? Just think of it just for a moment, if you're willing. It is really a simple issue. He speaks and I listen. The church at Ephesus, from the New Testament perspective, was the most informed and instructed church that there was. And it, it, it had the most severe rebuke from Jesus Christ. Have him speaking. Respond to him inviting. Life is so busy. So many things. So complicated. So difficult. So many commitments. Here's the challenge for us. The key is not to prioritize what's on your schedule. No. The key is to schedule your priorities. That's the key. It's a simple thing, if we are willing. The second one is, and I have to confess, this is me at my worst, silence. I don't like silence, but it's got to be good, hasn't it? When did we last stop and stand back? And in the midst of busyness, and the frenetic activities of life, whether it's work, family, or finance, or the grandchildren, or health, or whatever. But God says, I want you to be still. I want to quote you, uh, I don't know if you've read much of Henri Nguyen, and this is one of his books, The Return of the Prodigal. Excellent book, be good. A book to read any of his books indeed. I want to quote you from his book called The Way of the Heart. This is what he says. Over the past two decades we have been inundated by a torrent of words. Wherever we go we are surrounded by words. Words softly whispered, loudly proclaimed or angrily screamed, words spoken recited or sung words on records, in books, on walls, in the sky, words in many sounds, many colours, in many forms, words to be heard, read, seen or glanced at, words which flicker on and off, moving slowly, dance, jump and wriggle, words, words, words. Recently, I was driving through Los Angeles and suddenly I had the strange sensation of driving through a huge dictionary. Wherever I looked, there were words trying to take my eyes off the road. They said, use me, take me, buy me, drink me, touch me, 
smell me, kiss me, sleep with me. In such a world, who can maintain respect for words? The result of this is that the main function of the word, which is communication, is no longer realized. Last part of this quote, the word no longer communicates. It no longer fosters communion, no longer creates community, and therefore no longer gives life. It is words. Give me an illustration. And someone has said that the stream of words form a moat of distance rather than a bridge to community. Now what is the church doing? Are we lifting up the drawbridge and widening the chasm because of our failure to pass on or are we laying a bridge of friendship so that our friends will cross over and meaningfully come to meet Jesus Christ? Do you see the point? A chasm to silence solitude. I'm not quite sure how much we know about it, but solitude which involves cultivating another F word, serenity. The ability for you and I in the journey of life to be willing to let go. Some people use the word move on, and that's an emotive one, but to consciously let go. Let go. Our problem is, things which matter most must never be at the mercy of things which matter least. That's the dilemma. And that's where solitude. Solitude isn't isolation. It isn't withdrawing. It's about involvement. It's about adoration and action. And lastly, A much perhaps misunderstood word, surrender. Sounds forceful, doesn't it? Like being held up or something. Or arm twisting. Or like a wrestler on the floor and asked, are you going to surrender? Not like that one, be the opposite. Which involves a positive response to Jesus Christ. In this lovely letter of uh, John Fantise, he uh, quotes, um, I can't remember the name now, of uh, a famous Christian who is, became a famous missionary, he is trying to emulate him, and he says, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. Well, it makes sense, doesn't it? And that is a healthy, God-given surrender. <coughs> Letting go of the lesser to embrace the greater. Hallowed be your name. Then we ready. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Give us this day our daily bread and all the rest. Let's get that right first. And the rest begins to filter through. And we focus on Jesus Christ.
and as we do surrender, we are only giving up what in the final analysis we cannot keep. And for sure we are gaining something that will survive this journey of life. So that we can truly say, hallowed be your name. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior, the glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. Amen. May we share in the grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.